the studio focuses on the medicalization and domestication of everyday spaces by interrogating the bed as the site of intersection for health, technology, hygiene, intimacy, and domesticity. Welcome to Tete a Tete, the Rice Architecture podcast series. I'm your host, Island Nosley, and this week's episode features a conversation between Piergiana Matsuka and Patrick Dorio. Piergiana and Patrick work together to create and organize the exhibition Unmaking the Bed, Unmaking New Orleans. So let's tune into their conversation about how her students studied the many ideas of beds and their relationship to the city. So I guess, Patrick, that we should start by introducing ourselves. You go first. Hi, everybody. Hi, Rice School of Architecture. Hello, the world of podcasting. Uh, my name is Patrick Dorio. I graduated from Rice University NAMARC program in 2016 and have since moved to New Orleans, where I've resided for the past two years and currently work for the office of Jonathan Tate, OJT and was so thrilled uh, when I found this uh, body of student work called Unmaking the Bed, Unmaking New Orleans uh, on the Instagram of Rice School of Architecture. Um, so shout out to whoever uh, is putting that together. I was, I was introduced to Kirajana Matoka through that medium, and uh, we have since worked together to build a little bit of an exhibition here in New Orleans so please, um, Pierjana, please introduce yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> just uh, thrilled that, that we could be together again today. Sure. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, well, I'm Pierjana Masoka, and um, well, I'm one of the Warden Fellows. The reason why Patrick and I uh, started doing this collaboration together is because of a studio I taught during the spring semester of 2018, that it was a continuation of a theory seminar that I taught in 2017 when I just got uh, here to Houston. So the work that is exhibited at this exhibition is uh, the work my students did in this spring studio that was entitled Unmaking the Bed. That's it. Well, I think it's a little bit more than it. It's a it's an incredible <laughs> exhibition. Um, I think the the work really speaks for itself. And um, I mean, the, there's there's so much content here, and I think that was one of the reasons why I was so interested in in having it exhibited here in New Orleans. You know, uh, there's a, a huge difference between the the Gulf cities, um, separated by miles and miles by ten, um, and yet uh, they couldn't be um, more different in terms of architectural scene. Um, you know, Houston, famously uh, lack of zoning. Uh, New Orleans, famously with so much historic preservation at stake. And the two cities, uh, I think they're, they're very ripe in terms of their own architectural agendas. And so for me, having, having this opportunity to, to have a conversation between those two different scenes was, was really, really exciting. So um, I guess let's, let's dive right in. Um, Pierre, Janet, sure, can, you, sure. can you talk to me a little bit more? Um, can you set the stage for the, the background for the studio and the exhibition? And please tell us, what is Unmaking the Bed? Let me start with what the exhibition was about, because um, that explains and summarizes what was the work done during the seminar and the studio. 
So uh, the exhibition uh, collects the work of 10 undergraduate architecture students from RISE Architecture. And as I said, during the spring semester of 2018, it is the result of a research studio. And therefore, the project, instead of um, having a more pragmatic uh, approach, we basically were problematizing instead of proposing solutions. So actually, the work uh, we presented is, is not concerned with creating master plans or grandiose uh, gestures. As stated in the title of the studio, we were more interested in unmaking things. Um, what, what is interesting is like we continuously, we were asking what are the objects of this unmaking? So um, entitled Unmaking the Bed, the studio focuses on the medicalization and domestication of everyday spaces by interrogating the bed as the device and as the site of intersection for health, technology, hygiene, intimacy, and domesticity, among other things. So the work of the students um, surveyed in very broad terms the spaces beyond the hospital and the home occupied by beds as a means of mapping the organization of welfare and public assistance. Um, so the sites for this analysis were the gardens, the cemeteries, the townhouses, the hotels, and the hospitals of the city of New Orleans. So the exhibition was made of the students' models and drawings, as well as 10 drawings representing fragments of the city. This collection of fragments had the intention of mapping the city by neighborhood, defined by the architectural types mentioned before. During the opening night, we also showed some documentary videos about the development of those types in the city and how they define the city's architectural form. So, yeah, that's what we did. And that's what we mm -hmm. ended up exhibiting in New Orleans. I mean, it's, 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 your a, question. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. It's always been fascinating to me that the major components of this, again, um, are these documentaries that unpack the different typologies. There's mm -hmm. the fragment drawings that are really deep, um, really uh, detailed drawings of these different neighborhoods in New Orleans. And then that feeds into the students' projects themselves. And each one of those is, is sort of paired with a neighborhood. Um, they're, they're incredibly, uh, again, the, the drawings themselves, they're, they're rendered in, in black and white, very simple kind of line drawings in axonometric format. But there's details in, in each one of them um, that I think for, for people who, you know, kind of tend to abstract cities, they're think, you know, getting down to like the telephone wires and the, and the trash cans and everything. It, it gives the, the overall appearance so much more of a, a layered and, and lived in kind of texture that is incredibly rich. And I, I was just wondering if you could, if you could talk a little bit more about the process oh, because, sure. um, you know, I think we're often conditioned to, to think of things in very abstract terms. This is, this is something that you were trying to resist it. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I, since the beginning, like we were asking, like why New Orleans and why this and why this type of drawing. And I have to confess that I think the students still hate me for that drawing uh, because they had to spend so much hours uh, just making it. But I think like it was about uh, this question of mapping and what does it mean to map a city, and especially what what does it mean to map the spaces of everyday life, and actually does the space of everyday life has a quality that can be represented. And I think like that's the reason why these fragments were so important. Well, they had two purposes. First, of how uh, the image of a city is 
represented by its architectural form. That's why this obsession uh, with cataloging and collecting the types uh, that define the city. And then the second interest is if it's not about entirely abstracting the urban form, if it's about uh, representing everyday life, then it should be not a plan and therefore the axonometric or the isometric drawing uh, precisely, more precisely, uh, was our choice. And I think like in that way, it gave us the possibility of reading the city in a completely different way. We didn't talk about urban expansion or um, the moments in which, uh, I don't know, different architectural or urban ideas impacted the city. We actually always talked about how different and very specific architectural types were shaped and why they were shaped and who shaped them, right? So it was also about, let's say, trying to put at the forefront the, the subject of the city, like who inhabits these spaces, who actually lives in these neighborhoods. So it was also about uh, reintroducing uh, a subject that was no longer abstract nor universal. It was very focused on the New Orleans um, inhabitants and, you know, the diversity of the population, too. No, I, I really, I mean, I, I really, really appreciate that that level. And, and the the drawings themselves, they really do start to capture the, the different qualities of each one of these neighborhoods and and start to feed into the, the ways that the projects are then constructed themselves. So let's move a little bit into talking about these different typologies that um, sure. you've, you've plucked from New Orleans. I, I actually think that for a few of the residents of New Orleans who have seen this, they are curiously, um, you know, happy at the same time as uh, it, there's, there's something about the way that uh, these these five types start to really introduce the city in terms of its history, its complexity, but also its its character. Uh, you know, I think everybody uh, in New Orleans, you know, knows about the the shotgun and the townhouse, but also acknowledging the hotel as the vehicle that allows tourists to to inhabit the city. It's something that I think is a little bit more latent, but when, when you foreground it as much as you do, it, it really starts to, to define such a, a large district. Um, and also, you know, obviously Airbnb, everything expanding throughout the city. It's, it's very, very important, um, I think, for sure. the, the livelihood of the city. Uh, the hospitals as well, uh, with a huge, huge district of, of hospitals uh, growing in the city. Um, but then also the, the uh, cemeteries and gardens that define the spaces that are almost thought of as, as uh, somehow, you know, voids to be inhabited by the public or uh, voids to be inhabited by the dead. I'm, I'm curious why, I mean, they seem so perfect uh, at a distance, but if there's like something else, uh, what, what, was the, what was the other uh, reason for finding those five? There, there were many reasons. Uh, in, in the seminar, we only focused on the spaces occupied by beds, and by that, more specifically, we just surveyed hospitals and and houses. And the reason for that is because, like, well, I do believe that the spaces occupied by by beds are able to not only encapsulate uh, domesticity but also the history of modernity. And what is interesting is like these five types throughout the history of modernity were used as vehicles for the medicalization of space. So I thought that that was fascinating. I, I thought that uh, it was interesting how the city had all of these uh, typologies acting 
on uh, on its history and how uh, this is the this history allowed the city to have uh, the image it has today. Um, but also because just looking at that, we started to recognize that all of these types somehow are tied to the history of beds too, right? So the hotel, the hospital, um, the houses, of course, uh, but then the garden bed or the cemetery as being, well, the final place uh, to rest. Um, so all of those things uh, were important, but they were also important as to how one maps welfare and what were the things that were introduced into a city to survive diseases or uh, epidemics, right? And New Orleans has had this super strong uh, history of, of epidemics. So that is why, well, uh, for example, how uh, what we can read how the city has uh, grown over time just by mapping the cemeteries or where the cemeteries start to appear within the city. So that's when, for example, the garden was so uh, emblematic and one of the most successful studies that we produced during both the studio and the seminar. And it was precisely of how the garden was used as a, as a means of sanitizing history too, right? So we thought that that was interesting how um, by the study of this typology we could um, excavate also the sanitation of history too. Could could you dive a little bit more into that? I I mean I I think my own interest in in that that topic is is a uh, is part of the reason why I'm so interested in New Orleans itself. I mean uh, history is everything here, um, but I think there is a total uh, there's an attitude that that there are things that belong and don't belong in that history. And and I'm I'm wondering can you can you talk a little bit more about uh, the, sanit the sanitation of the garden uh, and oh, the sanitation yeah. of the history in the garden. So gardens were introduced in the city. Of course, like there is a, a huge colonial tradition for the city. And, you know, the French uh, developed their own gardens. The Spaniards also their own gardens. And then the city has its own garden district, right? Uh, but what, what is interesting is like uh, historically, the place for the garden district used to be the, the space for plantations, right? So sure, there is sure. something about that relationship there that we thought like, well, if there is like a negative con connotation of the plantation, let's introduce the garden as a way of healing uh, with the, that history. But at the same time, it's about erasing a little bit um, that, that history, right? That very dark history. Um, so the garden was used uh, as a means of sanitizing um, a very charged uh, politically incorrect history then the garden is used uh, some, as some sort of uh, communal catharsis too right um, so mm -hmm. those things were interesting too that uh, when we talk about architecture yes we we talk about form but we, we don't talk about how that form also came about right like what were the interests when we chose one thing versus the other right so i i thought that the city had uh, gave us the opportunity to investigate all of those things, to talk about those things by remaining and dwelling in the realm of architecture too. I, I think that we can all really appreciate that. And um, moving into the, the studios themselves and the, and the design practice, I know that there's a research component which, which was most of this. Did you find that you were continuing a lot of these conversations with students as you were moving into their, their design proposals? 
absolutely. Actually, well, what is interesting is how the projects were never like um, typological projects. Like, yeah, they took the type as a site because then it could be interesting uh, to understand how typologies work and how by creating a modification in them, we also change the logic and we also reappropriate that logic and, and charge it with a, a different meaning or a different use. And then, of course, like there were students that rebelled against that, <laughs> which I thought that it was extremely powerful and extremely moving and made me think a lot about, well, what defines type two in architecture? So uh, one of the very curious examples is uh, Huidi uh, Siang's project in which, well, she, she said that the thing that actually defines the garden is the fence. So she wanted to actually deal with the fence and the fence that defines the back garden of all the shot, uh, shotgun houses present in the, um, the uh, Hoffman Triangle, which was her neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that was fascinating, that it was typological in a way, like the recognition of, well, there is an architectural element that defines that type. But then there is also that recognition that, okay, what happens if the fence is a, is a threshold, is a zone? And what happens when that zone changes? It's no longer a boundary. It becomes a house. So all of those things were nurtured and um, um, ways of reflecting about the past, but also allowing a possibility of reading a future that if we take history for granted, uh, wouldn't come uh, as natural as uh, that project came about. So I thought that uh, that was interesting. No, I, I really appreciated that one. Uh, I also really appreciated um, this, this project by Laura Hansman uh, on the library and the, um, the occupying of the center of the block. There was, there was a, there's a really beautiful way in which that, that project uh, negotiated scale so that the, the type of the, the shotgun was, was basically being embraced uh, by, by the, the type of the building um, you know, at the center that was, that was opening up and, and really um, in, in a similar way to Guidi in, in the way that it was uh, occupying the center, but using, using form instead of void. Like, like you said, there, there was a way in which you could start to read those projects back in, in the fabric of the city that suggested uh, not not only um, you know different relationships between these different typologies, but also different ways in which we start to read the ways in which property boundaries, all these things start to really define building types and and what happens when we start to think those things start to break down. So, uh, Pierjana, can you talk a little bit about the curatorial strategy for the exhibition? Well, the curatorial strategy was trying to address that collective ambition of the studio. That meant that um, the things that we were trying to uh, to highlight the most was uh, that study of the city through fragments. We created these ten drawings of ten different uh, neighborhoods of the city that belonged or could be categorized by the presence of a very distinct typology, and that was at the main stage of the exhibition. So there were ten tables with this, uh, 10 drawings on, on top of them. I have to confess that I was extremely lucky of the students' work and being fascinated about the fact that even if there was some sort of resistance, they were always able to get over their own resistance uh, to certain things and actually to try to think and go beyond uh, the pragmatism of, of practice today. 
there is always some sort of anxiety uh, when we deal with history, I think. I think like the students, at some point, they showed Diane that anxiety too. Um, but I'm glad they were so happy to know that we were going to be able to take the exhibition or their work to be exhibited in cities. Because there is something extremely attractive about uh, confronting one's work with the site, right? Like we never have the opportunity to see things after they're done or to revisit them with the same level of focus or with the same level of detail. And I think like the exhibition gave us the opportunity to do so. Of course, like uh, I'm extremely grateful that you were able to recognize the work and see some sort of value and wanting to bring it uh, back home. You know, New Orleans, I think, is, is going to be fine on its own. But we also do really appreciate some exciting, good new ideas, you know, not not just to, you know, dig us out of our social and environmental holes, but but to lift us up, I think, and, and to find ways in which uh, that, that future can not just be uh, one that's undoing something negative, but projecting something positive. Yeah, no, it's true. I think, like, uh, also for me, uh, going to New Orleans, well, okay, yes, we had the, mi- the mindset of not solving anything. Uh, but at the same time, I think, like, we solved ourselves. <laughs> we were constantly curious about discovering everything and trying to really understand how, how we could learn about the city. Because I do believe that there is something fascinating uh, about it that has more to do with how the city coexists and interact with all of those layers that we were trying uh, to excavate. And I think like uh, that is a huge lesson, both pedagogically, uh, hopefully, uh, also for the students. And in the end, it was like a very humbling uh, opportunity to work in such a city. We were all extremely happy and fortunate to be there. I would really like to say a huge thank you to all of those that were involved in this. And thank you, Patrick, for putting up the effort and especially today to take some time to uh, go back and revisit all of this with me. So thank you again. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you. If you happen to find yourself in New Orleans anytime soon, be sure to check out the Unmaking the Bed, Unmaking New Orleans exhibition. The exhibition will be open until Friday, November 30th. For more information, visit the latest news tab on the Rice Architecture website. Don't forget to subscribe to our page on SoundCloud to keep up with new releases. I'm your host, Island Nosley, and this has been Tete a Tete.